Morning, everybody. So it's familiar territory when I'm here. I feel like I'm home. I can't remember when I wasn't coming here. Little guy, so. Doesn't mean I'm not nervous before you because I'm going to give the lesson this morning. We should always be serious and nervous about these things. It's very serious. So we're going to talk about a living sacrifice. One verse this morning we're going to be talking on. Romans 12 and 1. But I beseech you therefore... Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, he presents your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. We need some background into this before we get any further into just what a living sacrifice means. We all know how the Jews rejected Jesus. They were superior. They were very tolerant of other people's beliefs or behaviors. They taught their religion of their version of religion at the time that they thought was the only one. They were still the chosen of God. Even after uh, Peter's sermon, Acts chapter 2, many just walked away. They had nothing to do with the disciples. They were on their own until the New Testament came along. Remember how Peter was uncomfortable with the story in Cornelius. The Lord appeared to him in a dream. Tell him he's going to eat certain things because he's going to go to Cornelius, who's a Gentile, basically to baptize him, bring the Gentiles into the world of Christ. Peter had a hard time with that because Peter was a Jew. Acts 10, 14, 15, the Bible says, But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoken to him a second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. In other words, salvation is going to be now for everyone. You know, not just the Jews, the ones with the pedigree. Doors not to be open for the Gentiles. That was a big deal. A really, really hard for some. Many never accepted it. Today, some still don't accept it. You might see a hard pill to swallow for them. The worldly people, the ones who the Jews looked down on, some even worshiping other gods and idols, they could be saved. They could be on the same level as the Jews. Most Jews wouldn't even eat with them. We know they didn't eat with the Gentiles ate. The backgrounds were not the same. They really had nothing in common with the Gentiles. Maybe in conducting business. That's about it. People were so much below in the word to the Jews. Now Peter and others were going to be preaching to them. Calling them children of God. <clears throat> the Jews were angry. You put a stop to this. You know, Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. We read what he was doing. Shutting up, shutting up Christians, putting them in prison. They're trying to put a stop to this. The difference between Jew and Gentile is very important to understand as we go on in this study. And the new converts of Gentiles, they had limited, if any, knowledge of the laws of the Jews. The real laws of how they did. They knew how they were. They went to the temple, they did certain things, but... Now, most of them weren't aware of the details of the Jewish religion, what they did. They just knew them how they were and how they acted and how they behaved. The more the Gentiles have completely different lives than the Jews. Even Cornelius, different life than the Jews. Many of the new converts were just like the Christians at Corinth. Worldly people who've been converted but still had many challenges. But the difficulties of the world were showing up in the church. Christianity had not yet affected their lifestyle like it should. For example, the church in Corinth. 
There are people taken to each other to court to settle disputes. There's immorality, the divisions in the church, marital problems, disputes over gifts. They made mistakes in the Lord's Supper. This is all very new to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 1, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. Paul is trying to get them to mature, to grow in Christ, is what he was trying to do. Not how you are now, but how you're supposed to be. There should be a difference. The Romans didn't have many of the issues the Corinthians had, but they had very similar issues. They were also a church of Jews and Gentiles. The church, was founded, church in Rome was founded by Jews and Gentile converts. After, after Acts chapter 2, it had a mixed crowd and had some issues, a unity among the group, their group, like just like it was in the, in the church of Corinth. They are basically told there would be no separation between you and the Jews. So they'd all be the same. Common verse for us, Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have. Everyone. Jews, Gentiles, everyone. In Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 3, 25 to 39, the Bible says, we'll go to chapter 3, 24. Galatians chapter 3, 27 through 39. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are one in Christ Jesus. If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. They're teaching the same thing to all the congregations. Rome is having some troubles with it too. In Romans, they were also immature. You read through the book of Romans. Many called the book of Romans a doctrinal essay. That's what they call it. It's very interesting. The apostles were teaching them. He was teaching them what it really means to be a Christian. The Jews and the Gentiles. You come from separate worlds, separate beliefs. But this is what you really need to know to be a Christian. The true Christian, this is what it is. It sees many were saying to Christians to doing the easy part. Saying it's easy. Even conducting oneself as a Christian easy. You're here today with each other. It's easy to conduct yourselves with one, with one another. Everybody wants to say, I love Jesus. You see, with t-shirts, jewelry, it's real easy to say all these things. Everybody says they want to give honor to God. When Jesus starts getting into your life, your lifestyle, your behavior, affects your relationships, requires sacrifice, requires a change in your mindset. But when it gets personal, that's when you see, people say time out. they got to wait and regroup a little bit. You go to scripture so far until it gets personal, or it starts hurting a little bit. Then they start thinking. That seemed to be where these people were at, right there. And they needed to get to another level. They needed to grow. That's what the apostle deals with Romans in verse 1 and 2. Paul had just spent 11 chapters of Romans teaching the people four important truths before this. That Jesus had to die. Why he had to die. What is the gospel and how it's received by faith? The blessings Christ has provided and how the Jews and Gentiles both fit into God's plans. He'd been teaching them that for 11 chapters. 
They need to fully understand those truths. You need to understand all that God accomplished for them before they went any further. And after that, we read Romans 12 and 1. There it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're talking about a relationship to God first, and that's serious stuff. With relationship comes responsibility. Every relationship we have has responsibility. The child, you have responsibility to your parents. Parents and their children, their responsibilities, the good parts, the bad parts. Being a new parent is really nice. Changing the diaper is really not very nice. As they get older, you have good parts, you have bad parts. Responsibility, everyone has a relationship has a responsibility. For teachers, co-workers, there's responsibilities there in your life. Employees, friends, marriages, you have a responsibility to your spouse. Each one of you do. A level of responsibility comes with every relationship. The more relationships you have, the responsibility you have. As one fellow told me one time, you can't handle it, don't have any more friends. Well, there's a little truth to that. If you can't handle responsibility, think before you start a, start a relationship, because with that comes responsibility. You can take on more than you can handle. You can have obligations that you can't possibly meet. Lead to disaster. That's what's taught here. You have to relationship to God first. With that relationship comes responsibility. With that, some things may need to be put aside. That's hard for some people. These people are Christians who had a relationship with God, but did not quite understand the responsibility. Both Jews and Gentiles. And he's trying to show them that In 12 verses in chapter Chapter 12, verse 1, it starts with beseech. That word means plea or beg. That's something you just read over, you don't pay much attention to, but it's a very humbling statement. Wouldn't take for a man like Paul, the tribe of Benjamin, the apostle Paul, to be begging for these people. The Pharisee of the Pharisees be begging these people this in Romans 12. A man who'd raised the dead, an apostle of Jesus, some think this means he was on his knees, begging. On his knees or not, I think he got their attention. He was still begging them. You should get our attention, the seriousness of some of these things in the Bible. It's not just stuff we read, we try to do. There's a seriousness to this. When the Apostle Paul is on his knees begging these people to please listen to me, pay attention to me. That's how serious it should be. They need to understand that, and so do we. Beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God. In Psalms 103 and 17, it says, By the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Deuteronomy 4 and 31, the Bible there says, For Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which is sworn to them. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. 
Grace is getting, excuse me, <coughs> Grace is getting, <coughs> excuse me, before I go into it, <coughs> Grace is getting what you don't deserve, which would be heaven. That's the difference. Not getting what you deserve. We're here by the mercies of God. These people were sinful people, come from all angles just like we are. That's where they're at. We're here because of the mercy of God. Apostles calling them brethren. That's important too to note. You read the New Testament, some of these books written, all the problems in them are start out with brethren, as was this one is. And you're starting in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, he calls them brethren. Maybe not as they should be, struggling people. You could have started out with chastisement, but he didn't. He called them brethren. No rejection, just correction is what he did here. He still called them brethren. We need not to be so fast to cast one of lords aside. Lord's people are very important. Love is shown here. He loved those Christians so much, he is begging them to listen to him. That's what we need to understand that. He called them brethren, because all he's begging for them to listen to him. When I go through this rest of this lesson, brethren, priests, all those things talk of position, not necessarily gender in many cases, because it fits for all of us as Christians. He presents your body a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. He present has a very powerful meaning. But the word present kind of changes things here just a little bit. Bruce, he calls them brethren. Now he calls them priests. Maybe not by name. Focus just changed from brethren to priests. How can he do that? Because no one can present anything unto God unless they're a priest. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says this. Ye also, as lively stones, have built up a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Also, verses 9 and 10. But be, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the practices of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A chosen generation, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which has not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. In times past, referring back to what we are. We are priests. Revelation 1 and 6, the Bible says, he has made us kings and priests to God his Father. Him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. That means we're priests to, unto God. We don't hear this talked about much, but we are. You study on that. You'll find out. We're not just sinners. He's worked with the guy who said, well, I'm just a lowly sinner. That was his attitude all the time. Well, we're sinners, but we're different. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 9 through 11, it talks about a whole series of folks who are doing pretty bad. They're pretty worldly. They did some pretty bad things. And this is what the Bible says about them in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you, speaking of those folks, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. We as Christians have something those outside of Christ don't. In Acts 9 11, it talks about all Christians being saints. The Testament uses the word saint 67 times. And every time it refers to believers. Never a special group or to some who are better than others. It's always the Christians. So yes, I'm a sinner. 
I'm also a saint in the royal priesthood because it tells me I'm supposed to offer up sacrifices in Romans 12 and 1. Back to Revelations, it says there, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests to God his Father. That makes it pretty clear. See, the roles are changing just a little bit here. Not just have a relationship with God. The role's changing here. All of a sudden, they're priests. Now they're going to have something to do. Things are changing for them just a little bit. The apostles are starting to show them how important it is to know who they really are. He's educating them in the new roles as Christians, Jews and Gentile. I just some converted people to assemble together. They have roles as Christians. They need to understand that. As a priest, you're able to make offerings unto God, take care of the altar. We know that from the Old Testament. Once you're a priest, you're supposed to present. And the old law, they're the only ones that can present. Is the priests. Offering sacrifice the altar was something the priests did every day. Historian Josephus talks about that, even how messy it was. They were ankle deep in blood sometimes. That's what they did. Along with that, they were busy, always doing something. I went through the tabernacle, what's interesting in the tabernacle, in the furniture there was no chairs. There was a brazen altar, a table of shoebread, a golden lamp stand, a golden lamp stand and on and on, but no chairs. The priests were busy doing things. Hebrews 10, verse 11, And every priest stands ministering daily, offering reportedly the same sacrifices. The duties kept them so busy, sitting was not an option. God didn't want them sitting around in his presence, taking it easy, kicking back, basically. Always presenting, coming in, going out, working and focused. As a priest, you had to present something before God. They had a role. You might say, as my dad used to say, you got a job to do. Pretty much what they were saying. As New Testament Christians, they're priests. They present sacrifices to God. Just the Old Testament priests did. We're to be busy. Some in Rome are operating as brethren, but not as priests. And the priest, the presentation was usually different. If you think about it, the priest would take a lamb, or two turtle doves for the poor, an acceptable sacrifice, and he would go from there and he would make, make the sacrifice. They're brought to him, and he presented them, an offerer and an offering. Very to us. We do the, we do the communion. After, after we do the communion, we pass the basket. You're an offerer, given an offering in the basket. Two things in there. Well, this changes here just a little bit. We're offers not only because we're a brethren, but because we're priests, offering sacrifices up to God. This is getting in the Old Testament law here. Worship today, we're offering our praise to God, doing this. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by by him, let us continue to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. This is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What we offer must be acceptable to him. The Bible is clear on that also. We have biblical examples from Genesis to Revelation to worship, sacrifices that God does not accept. You need to read the Bible and know what he doesn't accept and know what he does. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, the Bible says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable 
to the Lord. Pretty much what Romans 12 and 1 says. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If I shot for Paula, let me give her something to value and show how much I care for her. You know, it's uh, not just some token with no effect. Something I, she appreciates is fitting. Something you know, she likes, but they might honor her. It's hard to buy for. But I still, I, it's a hard time, I have a hard time doing that sometimes. I try to do my best to do that. Something that would honor her, please her. That's what I try to do. Something acceptable. I'm not going to buy her drill press. I'm not going to buy her something like that. I'm going to buy her something acceptable to her. And that's, that's, that's what we should do with God. Not just our spouses or our children or family. I wish something acceptable to God, what he wants, what he talks about in the scriptures. That's what he's talking about. Something that's fitting for God. Present something that you know is fitting. But here in this scripture is a game changer. You present yourself. That's very interesting. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That's what got me on this verse. How does that happen? That was a big game changer right there. He explained to them all about New Testament law, what they were supposed to do. He didn't tell us we were following it. They kind of knew what was going on. Sacrifice, okay, we got that. Now you offer yourself as a sacrifice. Well, that was a game changer there, like I said. Romans 4 and 14 and 16, Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, is that Jesus is our high priest. And he presented himself. Then took his life. He laid it down for us. The sacrifice pleasing only to God. No one else did that. Only Jesus. Abraham did that to Isaac. Sign of things to come. It's finally coming together so that Jews and Gentiles can understand what is required of them to be Christians. It's not name only. It's much more than that. The priest is supposed to offer sacrifice. An example of Christ. What Paul is asking Romans to do is be more like Jesus. Jesus offered himself as a living sacrifice. You need to be more like Jesus. That's what it's like to be a Christian. Be like him. A living sacrifice. It's not about laying a lamb on the altar or even your son like Abraham did Isaac. It's about laying yourself on the altar. Offering yourself. Christ was faithful unto death. Philippians 2 and 8. That's what we need to be. Faithful unto death. <coughs> this is where we can also realize the seriousness of what Paul is telling the Romans. That's why he was begging them to listen to me. This is how important this is. And this is how you have to be. The sacrifice on the altar. The animal was brought in live and it was killed on the altar. On the altar it was restrained, tied down, it was killed. It could not escape the altar. It stayed there till death. Jesus was nailed to the cross. He couldn't escape. He stayed there until death. When you're on the altar, you're not free to do what you want, go where you want to go, do what you want to do, all those things. You have restraints as a sacrifice, obedient under death. So he's telling these people, if you offer yourself as a Christian, you live the life you should offering a sacrifice, there's going to be restraints in your life, things that you can't do. Literally tied down, if you want to parallel to this, things we can't do. Obedient to death, can we be? Restraints is not popular nowadays. But to be presentable, presentable unto God, we have to have the restraints. 
Our lives are to be a continual sacrifice. The scripture, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, has a little different definition right now. More serious, a more personal definition. Not just lip service, something you got to do. That's a show in your life. Yourself is the sacrifice. Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. Romans 6.13 tells us to be instruments of righteousness. It says this, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. How can we do that? Our society sacrifices just lip service. Many people in this world, especially in our country, are not aware of what sacrifice really means. It goes against what is taught in much of the world. Prosperous society is like we are what we think is sacrifice to other countries is not. In other countries, you really see sometimes what sacrifice really is. Even some of our members, we see it. At home, we have an old brother named Bill Anderson. He's 97 years old. He's pretty much got his health. But he's married to wife Barbara for over 60 years. And about, about two months ago, she passed away, give or take. Before she did, he took care of her, 97 years old. He took care of her. Many of his members were over there trying to help. The woman did much he could do. Bill's taking care of most of it. Meals and Wheels comes Friday at noon. He had it all. He's very organizational. He had it all set up. Watch him take care of her. There's a sacrifice right there. And we had Donna Leno. Leno just passed. We have another couple, Lewis and Leela Johnson. She's so frail. We worry about her all the time. They're in their 80s. Always smiling. He takes care of her. No complaining. But all, their time, all his time is required taking care of her. It's a, it's a reverse. It happens a lot. There's some sacrifices. Those people doing it because of love and faithfulness to each other. Doing what's required. But also what's in, talking about here is what have we willingly sacrificed for the church? What have we sacrificed for Jesus in our lives? To live the life as a Christian, what have we sacrificed? Maybe some part of it's your job. It's hard to shine as light on a hill in a dark workplace sometimes. It's really difficult. Maybe in school, maybe in your marriage. Yes, it requires sacrifice. Marriage does on both sides. Just living Christian life in this world requires sacrifice sometimes. There's a fellow who I know, he wanted to go to church on Wednesday nights, and he couldn't because of his work. He was working swing shifts. And his family's budget's pretty tight. He wouldn't go to church so bad, he switched to day shifts so he could go to church on Wednesday night. He lost money, it's shift differential. Some other opportunities, but to him it was worth it. This seems like a small sacrifice, but to him and his family, it's a pretty good sized sacrifice. They had to rebudget things, already having a hard time, having a harder time. But he wanted to be free to do the, to do those things. Those are just some small examples. What about your time? How much time of the week do you offer the Lord? Sacrifice your time. How much is spent doing this? And how much is to the Lord? Think about that. Your talents, we all have them. Do we use them as we should? Our attendance, to be like Christ, to be the saints, the priests. We worship to offer ourselves as we should, as living sacrifices. On giving, the money is uncomfortable. Don't talk about that. Um, that's part of it, though. Giving is uncomfortable for some. It's part of the teaching. Many give their, of their abundance, but we have extra. And that's fine. That's not wrong. 
You give your abundance, is that a sacrifice? In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says this. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I said to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these other abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood, she, all livelihood that she had. The Pharisees were giving, giving a lot, but it wasn't sacrifice. Pharisees may be given their assigned amount, the 10%, what you might say, your tithe. But remember, the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. If you read the Old Testament, they gave a lot more than most people think. It says this too, speaking of the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. But I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, the scribes, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. But think about that. That's one way we can all sacrifice. A living sacrifice. One that we offer each day, including Sunday. A continual action. What that means. It's a continual action. Faithful unto death. That doesn't mean just one day a week or one time. It indicates that something that's continuing. Remember the price book of the Bible for the sins of omission? Most of us know the stories of sins of omission and commission. Well, the sins of omission outnumber the sins of commission, which is interesting. You don't want to be doing our best understanding what sacrifice in Romans 12 means each day. An example of the Good Samaritan. Two fellows passed by, the injured fellow. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they didn't. The third guy did. The other two condemned because of that. The rich young ruler, who in a way sorrowful, he just came to Jesus and asked, what shall I do to hear eternal life? Perfect example, and a good man. But he wouldn't give up, he wouldn't sacrifice. He wouldn't obey what God said, what Jesus said to do. Holy is set upon God, which is reasonable service. Set apart, separate from sin, is what the word holy means. James 1.27 talks about being unspotted from the world. Those are all similar ones. A separate unto God, which is reasonable service, acceptable. God receive your sacrifice at level that those who do not sacrifice will not get. We all know the story of Cain and Abel. God accepted Abel's sacrifice in Genesis. He did not accept Cain's, which is another good lesson all by itself. God accepted Noah's sacrifice after the flood. Mount Carmel, God accepted Elijah's sacrifice. The sacrifice to God of Baal, he did not accept. Christ offered for us so Christ sacrificed for us, rose up from the dead to be with God. For us. Think about that. He's telling these people to be more like Christ. That includes us. Be more like Christ. That's what he's saying. A living sacrifice. This is a reasonable service. In other words, it's not too much to ask. You think, well, that's a lot to ask to do these things. Think about your life. How you might need to change it. Things you might need to do. Well, this is a reasonable service. So how holy are we? We don't use that word much anymore, but we know what it means. How holy are we in our life? It talks about being righteous, instruments of righteousness. Are we? Instruments of righteousness. Priests doing as the Bible teaches. That's what we are. Offering sacrifice ourselves daily. One's accessible unto God. Real sacrifices. Not just lip service or surface things that look good to other people. True sacrifices. Because the only person that knows is you and God if it's true. 
It should be not hard if you're a good Christian. If you're totally converted, it shouldn't be that difficult because it says it's a reasonable service. Today, as I close, think about what else or more you could do as a Christian or as a saint to increase your relationship with God because it's supposed to increase. Romans 12 and 2 is the best closing for this one verse right here. Read verse 1, as verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A renewing of the mind. That's something ongoing. He told me, the folks, this. Then he says you need to renew your mind about these things. It's going to be a process. It's not going to be easy. Be a process. But by renewing your mind, you prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You'll understand those things by doing that. So in, this, in this system of renewing, this process, where are you this morning? Renewing of your mind. Are you just beginning to start it? Are you advanced in it? Where are you at this morning? Well, what you need to do is to be a living sacrifice. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So you can be, the Christian should be, you could be that sacrifice, the living sacrifice that Jesus is talking, or the, the apostle is talking about here. Is using Jesus' example. That's my lesson this morning. One out there who is not a member of the church, not a Christian, and they want to do this. They want to do it. They says they're about Jesus. They can do that at this time. Romans 10 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've heard it. Believe it. You believe, believe is baptized, you be saved. He believes not, shall be damned. Mark 16 16. Repent, Luke 13 3. Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Repeats that in the verse, verse 5. It's how important it is. Faith a good confession, like the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 and 36 or 37. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be baptized, the Apostle Paul was in Acts 22 in, 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 in Acts. Washed away for his baptized, has sins washed away. We can only, if you're not a Christian, you can do those things. If you've been a Christian straight away, you can ask for prayers to the church. Be restored this morning. There's no reason why everyone here this morning shouldn't leave with a clean slate, ready to meet the Lord. When you want to get classic afford, while we stand, while we sing. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.